1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash
0: loss Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, Hello and welcome to the Gooner Talk back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal podcast, our monthly show in which I'm joined by John who we'll be talking to in just a moment uh, about a kind of social element of the Arsenal footballing world going into some of the deeper stuff, some of the stuff which isn't necessarily that comfortable to talk about and just having some honest discussions about them and of course getting your thoughts too in the chat box. So without further ado, let's kick on with the show. Hello, mate. How are you? Are you well? Oh, I've muted you. That's my bad. That's me my... there. You're fine. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Going. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Good stuff. Now we, we did talk about this very briefly before we went on. Obviously, the, the, the kind of topic of the show is around the fact that racism is is very prevalent um in the right. world of football at the moment. And kind of talking about how we get out of this, where we move on. And what we did on the first show is we talked a lot about social media. Yep. And social media and how we can solve the issues of abuse and stuff like that, and, and that certainly leads into what we're going to talk about today. Now, one thing we kind of did want to make clear from the off is, at the end of the day, we are two white guys um, mm-hmm. having a discussion about racism, and I think if anything, the fact that we are white avoiding the topic would be arguably worse I mean did you want you wanted to touch on that point briefly as well yeah
1: yeah, and I do I do think it's important to point out because there are different ways to view it right and you'll and being a white male I'm never going to fully understand what certain people are going through but I can attempt to do that I can try to and then when people are actually speaking to actually listen to them and see what it is that they're actually saying and they're experiencing and try to understand and I think that being able to have an intellectual dialogue about what's going on right now and what we can do to fix it or change it or help it uh, shouldn't be limited based off of your race but you should be aware of the limitations that you have from your own cultural milieu your own background your own upbringing and your own experiences and as long as you're aware of that i think you can have a a reasonable dialogue about it
0: Mm. yeah i think you're spot on um and and this kind of topic has been catalyzed um, recently, even more so than it was. We've, of course, been going through the the Black Lives Matter and taking a knee before games, which has really brought this into, into football a lot more. But in the game between Rangers and Slavia Prague and the Europa League last 16, an incident happened between Glenn Kamara and a Slavia Prague player, Kudela, um, which the alleged... Um, what's been alleged by Glenn Kamara so far in it, and we say alleged because obviously it is a case where the they're, they're doing the, the investigation through it at the moment. My personal view is mm-hmm. that it seems very clear and obvious something has been said in that context because to see a reaction from Glenn Kamara like we did, and for the player to approach him and cover their mouth in the way that they did, yeah, all of that for me implies that something horrific and that other players around have also come out and said they have heard it. And that Glenn Kamara by all accounts, according to Stephen Gerrard's interview is someone that he trusts undoubtedly and that would not be any in any inclined to, to lie or make anything up about this, which I find the the idea of making something up about this kind of serious topic, ridiculous to the point where it's, it's almost, it'd be almost unbelievable. Mm. So what, what did what did you make? what was your reaction to that that incident when it happened and and how do you move forwards i suppose from it
1: so unfortunately my reaction was not being too surprised about it and i think that it, you know anyone who's been paying attention within the last who knows how long can tell you that it's not it wasn't a surprising uh, event um what's been surprising is kind of the gaslighting Um, And I guess maybe that shouldn't even be surprising, the gaslighting that's been attempted afterwards uh, regarding what was said. And, um, you know, there's this this notion of circumstantial evidence, right? Like, and and that's just coming from and I've I've mentioned this, this concept before. Really, you don't need direct evidence of something. To show yeah. to kind of get a sense of what happened and the best example of that is if you go to, and I, I've said this this before if you go to sleep at night and you see the grass on the uh, out your window and you wake up in the morning and it's covered in snow you don't need evidence of direct evidence of what happened while you were sleeping you don't need someone to tell you you don't need a video you don't need pictures you don't need you know anything to know what happened because the snow on the ground the effect is evidence of the circumstances. Of uh, that that being that it snowed while you're sleeping, and when you see his reaction to what was said, when you see the circumstances leading up to it, the anger in his face, the covering of the mouth, and then the, 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 the thing that uh, everything that unfolded afterwards, you don't need to know what was said Even when he says this is what was said, you could look at the effect and say that makes perfect sense in context like the circumstances were I think clear based off of it all made sense, right? ultimately so uh you know this notion that it was some innocuous statement that he was that he made you know something about being a guy or something you effing guy N- nonsense it's complete nonsense it's what is that i mean no. it, i mean you're that that's an attempt at gaslighting and minimization and guess what to do that is even worse in my opinion mm-hmm. than to if he had just said like in the heat of the moment, it's still not justifiable. It's still not a valid rationalization, but it's at least an explanation that doesn't insult our intelligence based off of our everyday experiences with life and reactions of people. Like you you saw, there was something there that was said that was really bad and really incendiary and, and immediate. And you look how immediate the reaction was. It was not like he had time to think about it or whatever. It was a visceral reaction to what was said to him. And his explanation of what it was when you look in context of what what is going on in certain parts of eastern europe and this is not all eastern europeans but mm-hmm. you saw the reaction of their their ultra fan group which we'll get into yeah it it just it yeah, just contextualizes cool, cool. yeah and and Very it's cool. ter- it's terrible and it's it's endemic to uh a, you know a broader problem that's going on not only in football but in society
0: yeah I I mean, when I saw that, because obviously right, writing daily about football now, the next morning when I woke up to, to get the content together for what I was going to be doing that day, the first thing that popped up was this um, Slavia Ultras page. And I saw it obviously on an Instagram account. And I thought it was an Instagram account that just posted kind of like the extreme levels of what's going on in sport. But actually, when I spoke to you about it, you yeah. told me that it was their specific Instagram account and that they yeah. were posting it basically promoting it and then when it was taken down
1: they doubled down they,
0: they reposted it in like a censored where, uh, with a link that you can go and look at it without the censorship yeah but like really trying to have this and it, it makes you question like it really does make you question like society it makes you think like how many people have worked throughout history to try and eradicate this this type of this rhetoric and I, as I say, I, you, and, and a lot of other people are never going to be able to understand fully the impact that it has and, and, and how it makes people feel. Um, but what we can do is what I hope this show does is that it raises that awareness. It makes people aware that this issue is still incredibly systemic throughout society. And it's something that we, and in, as individuals, what we're doing now by talking about it and hopefully getting more people to hear about it is that we can try and do as many things as we can. And, and one of the things that, we should do on social media. The small power that we have is whenever we see it, we need to report it. And you need to make sure you report the tweets, you report the posts, you report it to to whoever you can Um, and stand up as well. Like in in football grounds, like if you've ever seen it happen in football grounds, if you ever see it in day-to-day life, stand up, say something and do something about it, report it, speak to them, ask them why they feel that way, why they think it's appropriate to be doing that sort of thing. And and a lot of people have done. Now we're in a situation where Arsenal are playing, and this is obviously the link into, we are an Arsenal-specific channel, and the link into this being that Arsenal are playing Slavia Prague in the next round. And uh, Today actually broke that the Scottish police are investigating this now and that should Cudela return to the UK, which he is scheduled to do because he's going going to be playing Arsenal, they will want to speak to him. Um and because I I, you're the law guy, (laughs) I'm not in with the law at all. But like because obviously it's happened in Scotland, within the UK, they've then travelled back to to the Czech Republic. I don't know how in in, into how much you'd know about it, but I'm assuming the Scottish police can't really do anything much when they're situated there. But if he travels to the UK, does that then mean they can do something about it?
1: I mean that's a great question, and it really depends on the kind of laws that exist as to what could actually be prosecutable or or punishable. Um, and then it really depends on what they can, how they can connect the crime to to the UK, and whether they would have jurisdiction to enforce any kind of law that did exist. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very tricky area. There and it deals with probably a lot of international law that I, I don't know uh, right off the top of my head here, but uh, I can tell you that it's definitely something in- interesting to see how it's going to unfold. And you were mentioning ways that we can kind of approach this, uh, and I and I'd alluded to it earlier. Um, just approach this topic and how we can actually discuss it. I, and I think one of them is is also besides just sort of reporting things that you see and on all that, just listening. Because people tend to have this position where we think we know, we, th- we all think we're very smart and we think we know uh, a lot of times more than we do. Um, and the reality is, is we probably, we don't, not probably, we definitely don't know what it's like to walk in certain people's shoes and to listen when someone says something, to be open to, to learning something new and realizing that you don't know as much as you think you do. And I think if more people do that, I think you would be able to have a more, intelligent, meaningful dialogue about these kind of issues rather than everyone just trying to talk over each other and trying to, you know, just show that they're within a certain group of people that is supporting someone else, right? Oh. It, they're not actually listening. They're parroting and and you know, really trying to understand, knowing that you don't know, you won't fully understand, but you can try. And then I think that's that's important as well.
0: Um Racism in and in, in sport have linked together, obviously, very much uh, recently over the last, well, I suppose, when the lockdown, during the lockdown with the incident with, with George Floyd, which then sparked the Black Lives Matter leading into, in specifically football, the players taking the knee before matches. Uh, And obviously something that we do on LTA is that we we have an open dialogue and we have where people are entitled to their opinion. And as long as you are respectful and you are putting across a point of view and in a respectful manner. Uh, Kaz in the chat has said that Black Lives Matter and players taking the knee have made things worse in the UK. Uh, Ray Anderson replied by saying, I don't think it makes it worse. We are just hearing it more because back then some players didn't want to say it. Also, there is many more stupid people online. And Matt G replied by saying, how could raising awareness about racial injustice make things worse? Um, And the point is, is I'm I'm glad that Matt and Ray, you've responded to that specific comment in the the very level-headed manner that you did. And and fair play to you for doing so. I mean, what what do you think about that in in regards to, because I've seen, and I've seen some players Mm -hmm of a different background say that they no longer want to take the knee mainly yeah. because they don't feel it's having an impact. They don't feel it's, I don't feel that anything is changing and, and arguably they're right. We are still seeing, oh, we've seen this thing with Slavia Prague. We've seen Drew Bellingham recently tweet out the, the abuse that he received on social media. What, what's your kind of view on the, on the taking a knee situation?
1: So I guess the caveat to any kind of explanation I have is I'm obviously not in the UK, so I don't want to propose to know exactly what is going on over there and what is helping and not helping. It goes back to what I'm saying. All I can do is is what I've heard and, and listen to people who are in, influenced by it and impacted by it. Um, and I can say that from what I would imagine, at least part of it has to do with perhaps just the the, the the pomp and circumstance of the of the kneeling that it's that when you when you've kind of oversaturated some uh, something it tends to slightly lose its meaning I think in the beginning it was very impactful but oh. as it's just become you know almost just a uh, perfunctory it's not necessarily some kind you know it it, it 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 tends to lose its meaning in that regard and it can't just be an empty gesture you know where everyone has to do it for 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 the purpose of it there needs to be more to try to increase this dialogue. Um, You know, the dialogue is not now about racism anymore. It's about whether this kneeling is helping anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly the problem. It needs to be about the underlying issue. Uh, And, you know, the problem is, is that nowadays because of social media, because of just the way things are, these kind of, these kind of displays tend to get politicized rather than, uh, than dealing with the underlying issue that it's supposed to represent. It's now, and now it's it's about it's about the act itself and not what the act represents. Yeah. And and I you know I'm not sure there's a clear-cut answer on how to fix that other than making sure that you realize what the meaning is of the act itself and reiterate that and to have a, a pervasive and continuing dialogue about what the act represents rather yeah. than the act itself.
0: That's that's I've looked at the taking of the knee and in, at the start, I was like, yeah, this is a great idea, like make as many people aware of it as feasibly possible. But the longer it's gone on, the less it's changed. It's made me think it feels a little like an excuse to say they've tried something in right. a way. Um, and then,
1: and I'm sorry, because it just made me think. Uh, and then it, it, to the answer, the question of whether it's made things worse, I don't necessarily think it's it's made anything worse. Uh, like I said, you could probably speak to that better than I can. But but it, it, if it had succeeded in anything, it's put this notion of race in a constant dialogue uh, in, in an area where it's getting a lot of exposure. Um, and the problem may not be that it's making things worse, but whenever you do increase the 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 exposure of something and you have a dialogue about it, more opinions that may not have been had... Or, or expressed about those things because it's reaching more people, start coming out, which is kind of a scary thought because essentially what that would mean is you're starting to hear. It's not that this wasn't always a problem. You're starting to hear more people take offense to it or take yeah. have, or have did problems. Did you
0: see when it. fans returned? Um, I'm not going to name the clubs because I end up forgetting a club and I don't want to see like I'm saying about specific clubs. But there were some clubs um, that the fans in, in attendance booed the players taking a knee. I heard about that. And like I, I'm all for someone saying like if you, Sam like I'm all, I'm open to someone turning around to me and saying that I don't think players should take the knee anymore because the impact that it has I mean Omar in the chat has suggested he thinks that they shouldn't no longer do it because it's not having an impact anymore. Okay. It's and that's completely fair enough if if that's your view. Um and, and then also JGC in the chat says are they going to take the knee forever and when slash if it stops what message does that send? Because arguably they put themselves in a very difficult situation because when it does which I, you you would think can, can they take the knee forever some people would argue they should do until racism stops yes you should take the knee forever um but is is that realistic is that what we should do does that by doing it forever does that actually kind of diminish the impact of of the act in itself so because i heard an amazing story the other day i can't remember who it was but it was a guy it was a black guy and he said that his son like from watching it on tv now before he plays football in the garden with with his son his son will take the knee and i thought that's that's an amazing thing because his his son a young guy is becoming aware of this um and that it's it's something that clearly is being having an impact in some areas but you've got to talk about the fact that is it having the desired and when if it ever does stop what reasoning, because he's got to have a reasoning to stop it. And that makes it very difficult.
1: Yeah. And and unfortunately, this kind of an act, while it is, I think it's great, it's not, it's not going to fix the problem, right? It's not going to fix the problem. So as long as the problem exists, and that problem obviously is racism, it's not going to change anything. Just because you're, you're taking the, you could take it, ad infinitum I mean, it, it, for the rest of a footballing history, you could take the knee. If you're, if you don't tackle the issue um, from, from a more meaningful way, in my opinion, than just taking a knee at a football game, which is good in a totality of, of other things, right? If it's just that, that's, that's, that can't be, that can't be it. And I kind of, that's kind of what we're talking about here, right now. It's not just, you know, kick racism out of football, red card to racism, all this kind of, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of of the of the nice way of saying this, but um, I'm not I'm not going to say it. But wh- things that are just said to to as as almost like advertising and marketing, I really don't like to believe that that's what is happening. But when you see non action to certain vitriolic hatred hate hate filled racist things that are happening yeah. on the pitch, I yeah. don't care. You know, it it really it lessens the the impact in my mind of making all the players or or encouraging all the players and and, and officials to take a knee before every match. Like, what's the point of doing that if you're going to let this other stuff go rampant, which is the exact underlying thing that we are trying to we're that they're kneeling for. That's why they're kneeling. And and I want to see, I'd rather see much more strict, much more, uh, you know, cohesive punishment and and change with respect to the actions that we see regarding fans in stadiums fans uh, on the pitch and now even players on the yeah. pitch and referees you know I'd rather see that that's the change that needs to happen if this can if this kind of an act can lead to awareness of that fine but like don't sit here and and, and you know
0: just sit on the laurel of it just being that
1: exactly yeah. and then not do anything when it actually matters yeah
0: Um, Clive in the chat, Clive obviously at the Arsenal Vision podcast uh, and friend of the show says the taking of of the knee was player driven. Best thing about it is the togetherness. Everyone does it and it's huge and I get that point 100%. um, And I think that seeing it and that's one of the things that struck me is seeing it every single game and seeing everyone do it, the coaches, the officials, the players, it's a huge message and it's a huge statement but again, what you're saying there, John, is that 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 needs to be like the bare minimum but right, that, yeah. needs to, that needs to be the bare minimum of what changes in Correct. the sport. Clive goes on to say racism has been about for 400 years. The fact we are trying to be uh, applauded but what you will see now is systemic dilution yes. of a well-being message. The issue is Ah, society is the problem. I yeah. Mean, and that's
1: yeah. what I was mentioning earlier about this notion that if you have an act that keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated, it loses its power and it will not always, but it tends to because you it becomes diluted, like, like Clive was saying. And, you know, if, and this is ultimately what I'm getting at here is that there's this underlying problem that is the true message that is trying to be getting, that is trying to be gotten across. And that's what needs to be addressed. So they're kneeling for a reason, and that reason is things like what happened uh, at at uh, you know at the Prague game. That kind of a thing is is exactly the issue here, and and the response that needs to be ha- that needs to happen on the basis of that action really is what the players are kneeling for in the first place. In in many cases, obviously it was it was a result of what was happening in my country and the the interplay between police and uh, and, and it's not. This is not just my country; it's all over the world. But you know, obviously, it was a, it kicked off in a, in a massive way, especially during COVID, and and it has been kind of brewing for a very long time. And the the reality is is that unless you address the societal aspect of it, like Clive was alluding to, and I was alluding to earlier, it's not going to change anything. And it is just a perfunctory action. Yeah, the kneeling is just a perfunctory action. It, it means. I don't want to say it means nothing because I think it means a lot, but unless there's an underlying change in the, the current context, yeah, the exactly. impact is
0: very little when obviously, and the, the idea is close but forward of togetherness. That's yeah, a hundred percent, but it's then what happens now is that that can't be it. Like that, the, the, the authorities can't go, well, we're taking the knee and think that's, that's where things are now good enough. We're making people right. Aware. It's not, a, it's not awareness is the minimum action is what needs to happen. And it's, yeah, it's it's banning players, it's banning teams, it's disqualifying, it's it's banning fans, it's banning grounds or whatever, which you know, obviously with the, the times we're at the moment is you can't have that same kind of thing. But amazing how that even with no fans in stadiums, we are still having this issue. Like before it was always about like racist abuse being shouted from the stands and then or in a subway made, car. Yeah. And and now it's a case of fans online it's a case of posting pictures of, of horrific messages and that nothing's changing um now that's let's let's talk about that that message that banner So, yeah. slavia fans so because we have to obviously not play at both well i suppose being the most open as possible and looking at it from the other side slavia fans hold up a message an extreme very select group of fans hold up that message there have been calls for slavia prior to be disqualified from the competition So the question would be, to play devil's advocate, is it fair that a team gets kicked out of a competition because a very small percentage of their fan base reacted in that way? Is that the right way to go about a punishment? So
1: I think that it's a little bit of an unfair question, only insofar as it wasn't just the fans that were doing something. It was the fans responding to a racist incident perpetrated by one of the players themselves on the pitch during an official match in the competition. So, if it were just their fans' behavior, I think that there needs to be some kind of punishment for it. But whether banning the team itself from, uh, from that from the competition would only make sense in my opinion if the the team itself wasn't culpable, which here they are, or there wasn't a history of malfeasance on behalf of of the team and or fans. Like a tier meaning system where
0: like, right, a number of offenses.
1: Right. Meaning if this was something that's happened before. And that the team has done, knew about this, which I'm sure they knew about these fans and these ultras and didn't take the precautionary steps. In my opinion, they're just as culpable. And that takes away the fact that they, that we had a player from that team doing something racist on the pitch. So, um, you know, it it really, it it goes, you see, you see what I'm saying? So it's a little, it's a little diff. It's an unfair just because I think that, I think they're absolutely culpable for this. I I would be very hard pressed to imagine that this team is not aware of, of the behavior of these ultras and and their existence. Obviously, you know, they can't they're not thought police and they can't control people 100%, but um it's really to me it's going to determine it's going to depend on their reaction to previous incidents as well as what they're going to do with this player who actually did something on the pitch. It's not like some Weird post that was not connected to any act. It was directly it attributed. It was yeah. it was a response to something their player did in this competition, which I think is is punishable in my opinion.
0: Uh, Zamir says, if you're serious about stamping racism out of the game, then yes, banning the team is fair. Chris Leaver says, yes, fina- uh, financially, when you hold some people accountable, attitudes then change. Ban them. Um, Kenny says, Tom, yes, the football is the real sense uh, is for fans. There have to be some sort of example set um it's 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 obviously the idea of setting an example and making an example of someone is i'm all for that idea but then it's about consistency like if you ban a team for that action you then have to go through and you ban the subsequent teams that do it and here's you fail
1: and here's here's another question do you think that the are are capable of being consistent I mean, do you, think, do you think that FIFA and WAFA are the, are the arbiters of morality that should be, you know, or should there be uh, another group, like an, another group governing how this is, is handled? I mean, if we can't even figure out what they should be. They, can't even, be they should be. We can't, but they can't even figure out what offsides is. Like they're going to figure out like, <laughs> something complex, like yeah. like how to handle racism, like and, and and it's it's a sad indictment of the of UEFA and FIFA as organizations that they you know that w- what they end up doing is just like kind of lip service and nothing's actually getting done. I agree, hundred percent. You hit them in with their pockets. You know, all of a sudden teams start getting banned for their fans you know it's going to it's going to create a severe impetus on the team to actually enforce these kind of anti-racist policies if they're if they even exist in the clubs which they they
0: should in my opinion so and, and you know. one of the punishments in the past has been fines given out to fa's to clubs for this happening and those fines have been significantly less than incidents which a lot of people would consider quite rightly nowhere near as 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 horrific as a racist incident at all yeah. Uh, and that's that's one it it's like the the idea of of where you weight things on fines. Fines should it's, fines is a really awful way of punishing it in my view, because mm. as soon as you put a monetary value next to something, you then have a measuring stick. You then have something to say, oh well this this kind People of abuse is worth this amount of money, whereas breaking a transfer ruling or breaking FFP is actually worth this much. So you then must rate the issues of breaking FFP higher than racism, and that's the issue with with setting aside fines and amounts next mm-hmm. to it. Needs to be there should it, it, it has to be for me a blanket idea is that if there's a racist incident, it has to be kind of one punishment. Because otherwise, you just start ranking things,
1: and that's an interesting point. And really, it delves into kind of what you, the theory of punishment is. And there's different ways that you can, like the different purposes of it. You can have one is just completely punitive. That means that you mess up and you get you get a fine or ban or whatever. The other theory is, are you doing it not to punish but to rehabilitate to show you know that that they can get they can learn from this, they can get better and make the the team the sport as a whole better if that's even possible. Um, and then there's kind of a deterrent factor in punishment as well, that we want to stop other teams from and other players and other fans from doing this. And there's a balance between all three of these kind of theories with respect to how you should approach a punishment. Uh, and and they're not necessarily one more than the other. And so it's going to be it's not an easy thing for them to do. I'm not saying that, like, there's a one one punishment that can that can fix everything it really depends on what and they need to have they need to sit down and have this conversation is my point they need to figure out what is their purpose what are they trying to do here are they you know i think it's a mixture po- probably of all those there needs to be some form of punishment there needs to be a deterrent for other people in the future to to act in a certain way and there needs to be some way to kind of rehabilitate either these fans or these players and educate them as to what's going on and you know i think that that underpins a lot of this and we're not going to fix society by taking a knee uh by kneeling on the pitch we're not going to fix society by banning a player from a football tournament but you know we can control UEFA and FIFA can control what's within their control and they really need to have a, an honest meaningful and thorough conversation about how they approach this stuff because it's just going to keep happening because mm. society is that way it's going to keep happening on the pitch and in the stands and on the subway to the games it's all going to happen so they really need to figure out what their what, what their position is and how they ha- have a, a comprehensive plan to approach dealing with situations like this.
0: Uh, Thanks for the comment, Clive. Um, I do want to address this from Harry, um, obviously from Chronicles of Vaguna, and you can find him at the same old Arsenal as well. Me and Harry are going to be joining Drew and Jess uh, and Luke, I think it is, on uh, the Yammer podcast tomorrow. So make sure you check that out, 7 o'clock, I believe, UK time. Um, He says, kick Slavia out. It's the only course of action that will prove as a deterrent going forward. Now, I want to play devil's advocate to that, John, and say that the deterrent, if you say kick the team out for Mm -hmm. abuse... What is there to then stop, say Arsenal are in the final of a European competition, what is there to stop a select group of rival arse, of rival fans putting on some Arsenal shirts, holding up a racist banner, pretending to be Arsenal fans because they know that that course of action could then lead to Arsenal getting kicked out of a final of a European tournament?
1: Well, that, uh, uh, a-
0: assumingly <laughs> there
1: would be some investigation in due process. Um... And, you know, uh, there's, is that a possibility? I think yes, but, you know, uh, I would imagine that there should be some better form of investigation that can unearth that kind of behavior that that would, because clearly that would be unfair, right? Clearly that would be unfair. And yeah. if it were found that that was actually the case, then I would imagine the opposing team who pretended to be, the, the team trying to be expelled were were punished in in a way so um it, it, will that only be the action kicking them out as a deterrent i think if the fine's significant en- enough especially for a team that's not what it, like mm-hmm. a, a huge team i think that could also be a deterrent so i don't know i, I wouldn't say it's the only course of action is kicking yeah, them yeah, out yeah. that would Howard be a deterrent does-
0: Harry does point out, Sam, um, obviously what he's refer- uh, referencing there was specifically the player in that moment. Right. Obviously, uh, we we're just talking about it from a fan perspective. From, from the player perspective, obviously, you, as you alluded to earlier, this is something happen- that happened with a player on the pitch. They should be kicked out because of that. And Yeah, and, yeah. and Chris
1: yeah. Chris Gill also says sports shouldn't have to be the authority on racism and moral legislation in the first place. And I tend to agree with that. But the reality is, is that it's such a big impact and it meets so many people. They're so involved in sport that it's 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 not something you can. Necess- it's not necessarily mutually exclusive from society. In many cases, sport is a reflection of of society, and in, in many cases, that they, they have such an influence and impact on people that it is a way to effectuate social change. So I don't agree. I, I agree that they shouldn't have to be the authority on racism and moral legislation, but they need to be involved in the conversation, and they need to be doing something to to in, to increase. Uh, awareness and also try to change it because they have a lot of impact over a lot of people. People watch sports. It's not, you know, it's not, a lot of this stuff is, is very connected.
0: The the last part of the show um, leads on from what Anne's 14 and it brings us full circle back to our first episode where we discussed this a lot. And obviously since we've had that first episode a month ago, Mm -hmm. a lot has happened including this incident and Anne says, ID people before they are allowed access to social media. Now, one of the biggest problems, obviously, we talked a bit about the, the racism that happened on the pitch. We talked about it, what's happened with the picture being posted and on social media, and we talked about Jude Bellingham earlier on, was posted a picture to his story where people had left emojis, um, which can be uh, taken as very offensive in a racist context. And yeah. this isn't just Jude Billingham. This is hundreds of, of black footballers in the sport. It's hundreds of black sports people. Uh, across the world and in general in, in the world and in daily life that people have to deal with this type of abuse on social media it's disgusting it's disgusting 100 uh, yeah, percent. and and with andy's comment saying id people this is what i've said from the start this is the only way i see this changing and if we if we especially the world that we're living in right now which is very introverted because of the pandemic happening and the fact we can't socialize easily outside and that maybe people are are definitely experiencing this happening more on social media because that's their main route of communication right now. It does show the power that social media has had in the last year and, and more. And that the FA and the Premier League and the EFL have all written to uh, Mark Zuckerberg. And I can't remember the guy's name who, runs, who owns Twitter. You might know, but I don't know. Um, I, I, oh, you don't, yeah. Mark. I know about Mark, but have a look at it up. But yeah. They've written to those guys and they've said that something needs to change. This Jack is, Dorsey, I guess, right? There you go. Anab- so Anab- right? I think so. I think it rings a bell. Like they've written to these guys saying something needs to change because this is unacceptable. Because there aren't there's nothing in, the only thing that's in place right now is to report individual accounts. And right, great. You can ban someone's Twitter account, you can ban someone's Instagram account. But nothing Nothing really happens beyond that. In the cases of of racism happening on social media, it's an exceptionally small percentage where legal action ends up taking place. It's usually down to the stupidity of the person having all of their kind of personal stuff and identifiable characteristics on their account, and then they go and do those. But unfortunately, there's a lot of really clever racist people out there that know that they can create an anonymous account, And just go and do what they horribly want to do. And they know they're not going to get caught for it. And that's Mm -hmm. where it needs to change. So I'm interested to know in the chat box, John, I want to get your thoughts as well in a second. Sure. Obviously, if you tuned into the last month's show and you were of the mind that you felt that social media and IDing people, I know Matt in the chat, you were one of those people. Has your mind now changed a month later after everything that we've seen happen this month, which in the context of the whole year is still quite small? Right. Um, has, you, has your mind changed? Do you think that ID and associate an accounts with identification is something that you are now in favor of? Or if not, please explain why you think that it still is something that you don't believe should be included. Now, what, where are you at with this, John?
1: I'm still where I was before. I think it absolutely should be uh, that people should have to identify themselves in order to participate in social media. Um, I get the concept of an anonymity, um, but at the same time, I, I think that um, it, it causes more problems than than it, it than it helps. You know, because yes, it's great to be able to go off on the internet and be anonymous, but at the same time, it, you're also opening yourself up to this this all of the things that we discussed before, really about how you know there's let we, we I showed I talked about that study that showed that when when people were wearing a hood they they would do horrible things into a subject versus when they knew that they were anonymous that they couldn't see them or they didn't know who they were but once you took the hood off they were a lot less inclined to to engage in what was essentially very sadistic behavior. And, and there's, and that's kind of the effect when you, when you put it on in, in the internet and social media is that when you can hide behind a football avatar or you can hide behind, you know, um, some kind of a, a fake name, uh, a fictitious name, you you are less inclined to be empathetic because there's, or sympathetic both because there's less, because there's less accountability because they don't know who you are and you can say whatever you want to whoever you want and be whatever you want. And I get, the, I get the appeal of that. But when we're talking about discourse on the internet and a way to fix that, this is one way to do that, to make people accountable for what they say and do and act and how they act online.
0: Yeah. It, the, the, it will not change until... I, I genuinely believe that you would cut, not cut out, well, maybe even cut out, but if there was identification with every single account on any social media platform and by identification, I mean like your name, yeah. your address, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Identifying factors. Yeah, it,
1: it would help. And, and it's not just it's not just people either. There are also like these bot accounts that do the same thing. So it, you know, it's not just a case of uh, uh, of people who are making fake Twitters. There are also there are also these like literally robots going out there and spreading disinformation. And I don't know how you fix that. I, I mean, other than to create what, some kind of an algorithm that locates and destroys, you know, it sounds like something out of Terminator, but locates and <laughs> destroys these bot accounts, um, yeah. which is which is it, it's crazy that people would even go through the the you know the the effort of making these things. But I guess it makes sense when you consider there's a lot of money in 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 this you know someone's paying for this, or yeah. I can't imagine someone's just doing it for fun. Although I guess I could.
0: I think that. In my view, how you implement this is that you say that you give um, everybody two months, three months. You don't do it immediately. You're like, tomorrow, you must have attached a new ID. because, And I think that would shut down a lot of the bot accounts as well. Yeah. And after that two, three-month period, if you have not yet attached your identification or if you've not filled in your, your details and it needs to be verified too, of course – um, which it takes time then that's why you give the time frame and if you've not done it within that time then your account gets locked as in like it still exists right but you can no longer tweet from that point.
1: so here's there's two issues that I see uh, or one first of all one thing that I was thinking is perhaps you could still be on the website but you can't you can't retweet, you can't comment you can't reply unless you're verified. So you have access to the information but you can't interact with the information unless you're verified. Um, and the other thing, the, the only, and this is like the devil's advocate position, is that that opens up a lot, because I don't trust any of these companies with personal data. I mean, they're, the big, big, big data is probably one of the most, you know, immensely profitable things that is traded left and right, Facebook, Twitter, everything. Um, so I get, I get the other side that I don't want to give my information to these big tech companies because it's just going to get sold and I'm going to start getting, I mean, how many, I don't know about you, but I, I'm sick and tired of getting phone calls about my extended auto warranty. Uh, I don't know if you guys get those in the UK, I don't but get
0: that, no. I,
1: anyone in the United States has, is, is inundated with calls about your extended vehicle warranty and, and things like that is just, is just, I know we're kind of going off topic, but not really because it goes to a fear that people have regarding putting their personal information on the internet, that it opens them up to being sold to being doxxed by other, by uh, other users on the internet being, you know, having personal financial information taken from you. I get that. um And it's a balance between internet, you know, security of your data and the need to kind of regulate th- this horrific behavior that's happening
0: online. Is there the counter for me would be then, look, if, if you don't want that, then don't have social media. And some yeah. people might say, that's not fair. But right. at the end of the day, this is, this is what we have to do to stop this abuse. This is what we have to do. You may not like it, and you may have never racially abused someone in your life, and you are suffering because of that. But unfortunately sometimes to do the right thing we have to do things and we have to make sacrifices and that would be my argument
1: i think that that's a fair point and i don't and i think that you know there is a certain social contract that you enter in a day-to-day basis there that could be what the social contract is for for engaging in social media and online activities that you that this is if that becomes the standard that you know like look you know and then it comes to a uh, then it comes to another point. Has social media become almost a right for people to a- access information? And if so, is it really enough to just say, you know, if you want to engage in this, you know you have to do X, y, z. Um, if you want access to this information that the rest of the world has, you have to do x, y, z. I think there's another argument that maybe as a right of access to information, you you can't regulate it in that way. I don't necessarily think I agree with that point. I think that, I think where it comes on the scales for me in terms of a balancing test is the need to kind of, is the need to do something to fix the social dialogue Uh, and that, outweighs whatever kind of potential impact or fear that you might have related to putting your personal information out there. And then the other issue is that does this actually fix the underlying problem? No, I don't think it does, but it at least it at least regulates a big big portion of how information is shared and what people can actually and it's one thing so it's one thing to have an idea, right? And never say it and never act upon it. But mm. when you're seeing, oh, that idea reflected all across from people all over the world, it almost reinforces your beliefs and your notions and strengthens them. That could be a positive thing or it could be a negative thing. And when you give when you give a platform to this hate speech, I think that you start seeing a lot of a lot of problems that we're trying to kind of to, to, to try to kind of eradicate here. And and I don't know if there's a, a a sufficient way of dealing with it. I know that there's there's arguments on both sides of it, and and that's what makes it such a complex, difficult issue.
0: Yeah. Um, we have reached the, the, the final section of the show, which of course is your chance to throw some questions, um, into the chat box. Um, so if you do have any questions you'd like us to tackle, if you've got any responses to some of the stuff we've talked about here, or you've got a completely different view and you can put it in a respectful way, then please, uh, do throw them into the chat box. Um, one thing that Mr. A is suggesting in the chat is that social media could, uh, put a filter. things as a possible solution to avoid identification so that they have as you mentioned an algorithm which picks up on certain words um picks up on certain emojis that are used um i mean i don't really know why we need certain emojis anyway to be honest (laughs) Uh, yeah i I, i'm okay
1: with that what's the problem like if it's just one other if it's just another prophylactic uh way of of dealing with these kind of problems then that could be one of many things it's not a one shot deal that's going to fix all this i think they really need to have a multifaceted approach to how they how they deal with the situation hmm.
0: Uh, Akele says, Tom, have you ever heard of the saying, oh, but he has black teammates, just like saying I have black friends, so therefore I can't be racist. Remember, Suarez had Sterling and Sturridge and still racially abused uh, Patrice Everett. Yes, I have heard that saying. Unfortunately, it's it's absolutely ridiculous and stupid. Um, of course, you can still be racist just because you have friends who are of a different, different background to yourself. So, yeah, I, I don't. Do you need to add anything to that, John? Well,
1: yeah, and and I think people use it less as a, of uh, am I racist or not, and more of a justification of r- racist behavior. Yeah, it's it, 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 there is they, no they, justification for right. it. right, and 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 there really isn't any justification for it. Um, I think that you know there's some interpretation, you know, when it comes to things like movies, theater, um, even comedy. Like there's there's a little bit of a gray area there. But there are certain things that are, you know, the famous Supreme Court justice once said that it's like pornog- pornography, you know, you know it when you see it. Racism, you, you kind of know it when you see it. And yeah. uh, and that's the real issue here.
0: Um, uh, Omar says, John, uh, what do you think is the best solution to tone down racism in football and even society? Because I don't believe it's going to be eradicated fully.
1: I don't know if there is a best solution. I know that if there is a solution that's going to work, it needs to be a it needs to be multifaceted, it needs to be thorough and it needs to be continuous. It needs to be something that isn't just, you know, uh, applied to one aspect of society. There needs to be different avenues of communication of of changing the understanding of how people view race and discuss race. That's that in my opinion is the only way that it's going to change because, you know, pe- human beings are inherently tribalistic. And and the and this has happened since we've been human beings, um, so that aspect of it's not going to change. It's, it's how do you how do you actually how do you morph society to view these things and discuss these things in a way that allows it to change in a way in in a. I don't want to keep saying change in a way that benefits the most amount of people. This isn't some kind of utilitarianism, you know, thing going on here. But it, it really it, it's whatever is happening now. Is not working clearly and it seems to be getting worse so whatever whatever we're doing now needs to be revamped and it needs to be a multi-faceted approach it's not just one thing or one avenue it's going to be through sports through media through tv and it's not like a censorship thing it's a dialogue thing in my opinion
0: what there's a few comments i've seen in the chat box today talking about like free speech as, as something um and what do you think about that argument? Because obviously there's obviously what, a couple of things that go on today is obviously the topic that we're talking about. Free speech comes up in that and cancel culture is something else that that comes up. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of cancel culture personally. I think that there, I think I'm very much down the line of, I want to give a person the opportunity to reform and to change and to show that they may have done wrong in the past, but what they're doing, what they're going to do going forward is going to be different and that they can change. What do you make of of that side of things? Is something happening by yours?
1: <laughs> no, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I there. Yeah, there was stuff going on left and right. Hold on, one second.
0: <laughs> I just think that when it comes down to, I cancel culture in general, and when it comes to that racism as as a, as an issue, and cancel culture, and free speech, and all that for me they're separate like racism is a is a no it's a full stop there is no deviation between that it's, right it is, racism is unacceptable cancel culture though is like so let me give you an example say someone's had a social media has been around a long long time and say someone was previously uneducated around certain words phrases things that they've said on their twitter and social media and they said say five six seven eight years ago they said something that is now, or has always been, but was not necessarily educated back then. Perceived or is racist, abusive, all that. Do you think that someone should be punished for that because they've done that, say, eight years ago? Um, I, people
1: change, right? Um, and the, the reality is, is that you're going to be held accountable for your actions. But at the same time, uh, I don't. I'm. Not, I feel a little weird about punishing something that someone said a, a long time ago. Um, if, if it's, if it's not just lip service that they, you know, if they can come out and say that they've changed, it's not just a cop out that allows them to get off scot-free. And that's, that's, I think that the concern there needs to be an actual, I don't, I don't know if there's a way of doing it other than just I, holding people accountable for their action. I'm like, Wavering in between as I'm as I'm kind of analyzing it because on the one hand I think that people do change on the other hand I think that it's impossible to determine whether it's just lip service that they have changed since that that comment or they're just you know they actually have changed it's not just lip service Um, and because there's an inability to determine that I think that there is some degree of tough. You're going to be culpable for something you said back then. However, I I think there needs to be some sort of a mitigation. It's not going to fully exonerate them the the passage of time, but I believe that you know things change so fast now, from week to week, let alone from year to year, uh, in terms of what society views, in terms of what what what's going on in the world. So there is a degree, I think, of of, of mitigation there. Um, whether it can fully exonerate someone. It really depends on a case by case basis what what it is that was said, you know, and 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 the change that that person's gone through. For example, um, I saw a, a, I saw a story on the internet the other day about this uh, this tattoo artist who would go and give free cover ups for people who would get racist, racist tattoos. And this one guy, and this one guy had a tattoo like a KKK tattoo. Right. Um uh and he got it covered up, and he was telling a story about how you know this was him when he, it was a long time ago. this is the way that society was around him. He's since like adopted uh, a black child and you know is real and now is covering this tattoo up, and he's getting interviewed and he's crying, and he's he's talking about you know how how wrong it was. so people change, even something as despicable as getting a tattoo of of hate speech on your body. Um, you know that's like the ultimate, you know, past tweet, right? Yeah, and yeah. uh, and I would be kind of, I feel a little uncomfortable really holding that person accountable for that tattoo, based off of you know, not, not fully accountable at least. I think there is some accountability is uh, back then, but clearly this person has realized that that was wrong and has has changed their life since then. So it it is a little bit of a of a balancing test for me in, in the sense that I, I don't know if you can necessarily have a black and white, you know, just to use a phrase, black and white uh, yeah. understanding of of that kind of a thing. Uh, or or, or uh, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, of course. Of, and I, yeah,
0: I I think that it, it comes down to someone's willingness to to want to change. I think that's that's the main issue for me is that is that you there are people that do these things that are these horrible things and have no intention of ever changing of ever reforming of ever having any other different ideals of understanding why their words are abusive etc but there are others that say things that they said uneducatedly they didn't know that it was offensive they didn't know what they were saying they may have it may have been around people as you say like this the example of the person that you used for years and years and years and for instance, I'll use an example that um, in, in football um, and talking about Tottenham Hotspur and the Y word, for example, mm-hmm. and Arsenal fans. And when I was younger, say the, the Arsenal chant. what do you think of Tottenham? Some Arsenal fans choose at the end of that song to chant the Y word, which yep. is incredibly offensive. And I, I see it all the time everywhere. And when I'm at grounds and at games and I don't, and Mike I know um obviously our good friend Mike gets yep. very very is is offended by it quite rightly yeah.
1: and, and I'll it. tell you I'll tell you uh they don't sing that part of it here in the United States when when they're when they're doing that chant yeah.
0: so i say I, it's not everyone that sings that chant No no no, I, no but the reason I've, I've experienced it a lot yeah So so and the reason you bring
1: it up it's interesting because I didn't know about that part of it until I went to the Emirates yeah. and I remember and I remember uh you know I actually experienced it for the first time and I said it what yeah. You know, it was, it was kind of shocking. So there, you know, that just kind of illustrates that, you know, it it, it is, it is, it's not good. And, and there's something that needs to, that there's something that needs to change. And, that, and, and, and sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just saying, and, and that in it's, that in itself is about the cancel card, just before you go on your point, the cancel culture side yeah. sort of things. My story of it was that when I was younger, I didn't know what the Y word was. I had no right. idea. I thought it was a noise at the end of the song that they just chanted. And so I look back on that time where I sang the song and included that bit, and I look back on that now and go how ed- how uneducated I was then, that I now know what that word means and that right. i vow to never chant that.
1: And here's my question to you, uh, and, and this is the devil's advocate position, and it's the same thing that you can maybe say that guy who got the tattoo, that you can never forgive someone who was in the KKK, and I completely understand that position and in many ways agree with that. But mm. uh, at the same time, if there was a video that surfaced of you, when you were a kid, not knowing what you were saying, yeah, at a game saying the, the "y" word, mm. and now we're saying, you know what, we're going to cancel Tom. Yeah, is that is isn't there? Doesn't there, there seems something unfair about that? Yeah, you know but because obviously
0: po- I have now educated and Correct. I know what that word means. I know that how offensive that is to people. Correct, and that but the thing is, and the difference between that is that I know of people, obviously not going to name that. Don't agree with that line of thought, and will and believe it is part of that song and that culture, and that they will continue to say it. And that's and that's that's,
1: some, that's and that's something that comes up too. So, for example, there there was uh, there's a lot of recent conversations about American sports team logos, especially like the Native American ones. Um, you know, teams like the Washington Redskins have changed their the name of of their of the team. Um, because they the the term "Redskin" was deemed to be offensive. Um, right. You know, Chicago has the Blackhawks, but there's a distinction that they've made uh, that they've kind of said, "Look, uh, th- this isn't actually re- referencing uh, a group of people; it's actually a person." And this is, you know, right. this is something historical to Illinois, which is the state that Chicago's in. So, you know, it's it's a it's a bit different story. You look at something like Zwarte Pete, which is a a holiday tradition in 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 the Netherlands. Um, which has which is extremely offensive to many people, but they've deemed it to be uh, cultural and historical, so that that they've kept it as well. And you know, it, I think that if we had kept everything that we have done on its historical basis, there would be a lot of things that we'd be doing today that we that you know would be despicable and un uh, you know unnamably despicable. So you know, th- this notion that there's a history behind it. I don't think is a very good argument. Um, I see why you would say it. Like, you know, this is just something we've always done. That doesn't make it right, though. And it doesn't mean that you can't change it um, once you've once society has changed. Because society is always changing. You know, what we experience now is not the same thing that was experienced back in, you know, whenever. Even 10 years ago, almost. Five years ago. So it, it's something to consider when you're making an analysis like that.
0: Um, Ron Stone says, I think it is important that people learn the reason how racism came about centuries back, i.e. like Spanish Inquisition, they would then understand just how inhumane they are when being racist. And that's what we talked about is that this whole cancel culture thing is, for me, all centers around the willingness to be educated, the willingness to understand that what you are saying is offensive and that you're willing to say, Okay, look, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that it was offensive. I didn't understand any of this because I wasn't educated But from this moment forward, I will endeavour and try and always to break out of that behaviour of saying those words. Because to to ask someone to stop, like, when it's been ingrained in their kind of growing up, Mm -hmm. I imagine can be very difficult. Yeah. For some people. Really
1: they don't associate it with anything wrong. They associate it with the happy memories they had with their family at the games and, and whatever. Yeah. whatever. And whatever also,
0: if you go to, say, a game where that chant happens in the ground mm-hmm. and there's hundreds of people that are chanting it, or say if you're on a train or if you're at a pub and there's lots of people, to stand there and be the one that doesn't, I imagine for some people would find that tough, especially if all their friends, very close friends are shouting, and they see you not chanting it, and then they question you, why, why aren't you singing it? Correct. Um, it, it for, must be incredibly difficult for some for, people. Yeah, and
1: for me, uh, though, you know, that's the kind of like Nuremberg defense, you know, that, that everyone was doing it. It was pressurized, yeah. you know, that, you know, they were just following orders so or whatever. Yeah. You know, I that's guess what you say no, first day
0: to you for not seeing it. And if, you, and if your friends or the people around you can't understand or aren't willing or criticize you for that, Then they're not very good friends. (laughs) It's probably the. the, But look, uh, I do, I do,
1: I don't want to minimize the effect of social pressure on people and how to, and and, and, in changing behavior. It is absolutely very real. And in fact, it's kind of circles back to everything we've been talking about today that if you can change and and that's one of the benefits of maybe the kneeling and the discussions that we have regarding around this issue is that if you can change that so that instead of feeling social pressure to do something negative to to, to increase the social pressure to do something positive which is where maybe this cancel culture comes from and the threat of of being canceled it, it's 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 really a scare tactic in and in, in in a to to be influenced to influence people in a society whereby they are influenced by social pressures, which we are for the same reason that you may feel uncomfortable, not chanting something when everyone around you is doing it or why you would not go, uh, you wouldn't go to a, an Arsenal game wearing a Tottenham shirt in the Arsenal stands, right? Like that it's something extremely, it would be very, very taboo. And everyone would be, you would get visceral and immediate responses to it that would likely influence a normal person to not do it again, uh, you know, unless you just don't care, in which case nothing anyone's going to do is going gonna, is gonna to affect you. But I think that for the ev- the average person every day and for the most part, I think that social pressure can influence change. And that's, I think, where you see this kind of cancel culture coming from. Whether it's an effective measure, I guess time is going to tell on that, but it's at least based ground in some kind of a logic where, where you want to influence change by using this innate, desire people have to fit in with other groups of people
0: yeah yeah just put on um we honestly we could go on and talk about this um all ray anderson said who dislikes the video well, i think that you all you, you need to know about the person to be honest <laughs> Disliking like video. us be fair though. if you have disagreed with anything that we have said in this comment um, Exactly. Comment. But comment respectfully. Explain your thoughts. Explain why you think whatever would be said at all. If you disagree with the, the idea of, of needing an identification to have a social media account, comment. Explain why you think in detail, genuinely. Um, so yeah, please do. Uh Janice says I missed your super chat. Oh, sorry, uh, Janice. Uh, I'm not actually monetizing this video for I think that's for obvious reasons. Um, but he says having been a victim of racism and discrimination, people don't understand the ramifications because such acts it's deep rooted and in some places it's systemic um and I th- actually i wanted to raise something else as well for someone else that's, that's within our community that has also experienced it um simon in our discord server very kindly uh sent me a a story very briefly i'll read it through to you about his own experiences um and he says um so he says as a person of mixed race uh, having been on the end of racist abuse a few times in my life i'm aware of the psychological impact it has however i can only imagine the effect it has on the likes of glenn kamara ian wright raheem sterling to name a few and everyone else that has numerously endured first-hand social or systemic racist abuse whether players or clubs need to be removed from competitions whether protocols need to be more drastic or whether punishments need to be more severe the talking needs to stop and actions start need to being taken one of the many reasons I started supporting this club is because of its renowned ethnic, ethnically diverse family. It's a really difficult word to say. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure all Arsenal fans have had more than enough of this sickening narrative. Yes. A proud Arsenal fan, a football fan and a human being enough is enough. Come on, you guys. Enough um, is
1: enough. I think sums it up extremely well. And it's, it's, it's a problem that's not going to be fixed immediately and it's not going to be an easy solution but there needs to be this collective enough is enough like uh, we, and and maybe yes. that's what's happening we're just so sick of hearing about racially charged incidents that like you know it, how can you thinking how can you be like that nowadays with such a, a with such a connected group of people uh, across so many different cultures and backgrounds it's not ignorance is not an excuse anymore because yeah. the information's out there Ignorance maybe was an excuse before the invention of the telephone and that you, and you only knew what your parents told you and your, and your pastor or your, or your rabbi or whatever, the people around in your community, what your friends said and everything else was, you know, hearsay. There's so much information. There's so much connection among people right now. There's so much access to different views about life, about being, about race, about everything that you can't fall back on that anymore. It's not an excuse.
0: That is gonna conclude uh today's show. Um it's been a pleasure, John, as always, to sit down with you and chat about the real stuff and uh and get down to the uh the really important facts and and discussions. Appreciate your time, mate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously it's a it's a discussion that can keep going and should keep going. And I don't know if there's a solution to any of it, but it's important to try to understand, to listen, and to at least discuss it and have a dialogue about it because yeah, you know. That's that's the most important thing. If if it's going to change, it's going to be because people are listening to each other and talking about it and coming up with solutions or or at least identifying problems. Yeah, but exactly. Sorry. I can keep talking no, about this, I appreciate No, no, no,
0: exactly. And that's what that's why we are going to keep doing these shows every single month. The Let's Talk Arsenal podcast is going to be a monthly thing. We've done it last month. We talked about a lot of social media stuff. Um, and today we've, we've talked a lot about the, the racism that's going on within within our fantastic sport, which is unfortunately got this underlying and issue that it's not even underlying anymore, it's very much to the surface yeah. that needs to be dealt with a lot more differently. If you, if you have enjoyed uh, listening to us have a talk about it and even if you've say not enjoyed it because you don't agree with us um as we said please leave a comment let us know what you think drop a like on the video um subscribe keep it, to us. Keep it civil though keep it civil. of course yeah that's the whole point of this is that we've built a community here um where everyone respects each other 99 times out of hundred, and those that don't we get rid of them that's <laughs> so one that. way of doing it yeah yeah so there you go um we will see you again tomorrow. Uh, it's Thursday today. So Friday uh, means we're doing the Let's Talk Arsenal usual Friday show uh, at 5pm. I'll be revealing which one of our uh, TGT expert members and ambassadors have won the free entry into the Ian Wright Bruised Banana signed shirt, which is a fantastic prize if you haven't already got a ticket you can, I think there still might be a few available, link is in the description to football prizes so go check them out, Um, but yeah we will be back tomorrow, 5pm UK time you can find John at 305 cast, you can find myself at the Gunner Talk TV or at Tom Canton Media and also at 101 Great Goals, there's some interviews going up on there, we spoke to Cole Bassett today from Colorado Rapids, if you want to go and read that interview, some really good stuff about his trial at Arsenal, Um, so there you go we'll see you again very very soon, and as always up the (laughs) Arsenal